Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast by Knowing Hospitality, the show that deconstructs and demystifies the inner workings of the hotel industry. Here's your host, Adam Knight. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. My guest today is Mark Timms. He's a longtime executive chef and recently founded Take Home Chef, a culinary task force and consulting company. Now, full disclosure, Mark and I used to work together many years ago in Washington, D.C., and I asked him to come on the show today to give some perspective as an executive chef on some of the changes that we need to see in hospitality as we come out of this pandemic, and specifically in the culinary world. Mark has been in kitchens all over the U.S., all over the U.K. Now he's based in Mexico. He's a great storyteller, and I think his story about personal development and evolution is certainly relevant to many of the young culinary students and young chefs that are just emerging into our industry and wondering whether or not this is a viable career option for them. So hopefully you take a little bit of inspiration from his story. But before we get to the show, if you haven't had a chance to hop over to your podcast player and leave a rating and a review for the show, I'd definitely appreciate it if you took a few seconds to do that. It not only helps us get found by new listeners, but more importantly, it helps us put together better content. Getting feedback from you is really helpful and just making sure that we're putting together the shows that give you the information and tell the stories that you want to hear. So take a few seconds to do that. Uh, it'll pay dividends down the road. There's no doubt. Okay. Enough about that. Let's just get right to the podcast. Mark Tim's executive chef on personal development and evolution. Enjoy. Mark, it's great to have you on the show, man. It's good to connect with you again. Uh, and thanks for taking some time today. Likewise. It's good to see you again. Why don't you give everybody a quick background uh, story on kind of your your career path. How did you get started in the culinary field and kind of where are you today? My journey started um, back in Northern England. I grew up in Sheffield, a very poor part of Sheffield, um, a very socially depressed area uh, called Wolfley. And as a, as a child, I was in a foster home and to escape reality, I used to draw pictures and I wanted to go to art school. So art school was out of the question because it cost money. So I went to trade school and the trade school was culinary, which was cooking, being a chef. So I studied that um, and my desire was to uh, go to London and somehow leave the UK. And that's exactly what I did. I went to uh, 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 conduct an internship in 1989 at the Savoy in London and then moved to the US on a visa. Uh, and just to be, and that's a, a long story, but. My life took me from Washington, D.C. to Houston, Texas. I was with Hyatt's for a long time, with the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, a young 20, 21-year-old in a new country, um, life-changing experience, uh, learning a new culture. And um, I let life take me where, it needs, where you and I met, with Washington, D.C., with Fairmont. Um, many mistakes in my life um, to the point I joined D.C. And um, that's where I think Washington, D.C., Fairmont, that's where I think I started to grow um, and then from Fairmont, D.C., I was there for about four years, three years, nine months. I was transferred to London with a core, because as you know, a core bought out Fairmont. So I transferred mm -hmm. uh, with Fairmont, um, a core, to London with my wife and spent the last two years in London with Pullman uh, Hotels mm -hmm. and Resorts, a core. And then from there. So that's about six years with the company, essentially. Um and to be honest with you, I think that I grew, I was 48, 49. I think I grew a little burned out. And I said, you know, I want to do something new. I want to study. Um, so I went back to university, um, University of London to study master's for business. Hmm. 
And during that time, I worked for a catering company called Create, which I loved. It reinvigorated my desire to be a chef again. Mm -hmm. Reason being because it was actually creative people, professional creative people um, that wanted to produce food throughout these fantastic venues in London. I'm talking about um, St. Paul's Cathedral, the catacombs. So we, uh, we had the Tower of London. We had um, uh, all, the, all the palaces except Buckingham Palace. Hmm. Uh, if you want, I can explain how that works. Um, and then, so I was doing dinners at the um, uh, Windsor Castle, which to me was amazing. So oh, I was doing that for a while. Yeah. And my wife said, well, I'm getting transferred to Las Carvas. Now we have to go to Mexico Las Carvas. <laughs> do you want to go? I said, fantastic. I need to learn Spanish. I like to do that. And um, it, it'll be interesting to learn about a new culture. Um, and it's been great. I've been here about, uh, about a year and a half. Um, and that's where my journey has taken me. Now, during this time, I've been looking for jobs, but it's so difficult here not speaking Spanish. So I'm in this point right now of where I'm in the holding stage. And so that's where I'm at today. So a long yeah. journey from the from the, the streets of Sheffield into the sunny streets of Las Cabas. Um, <laughs> that's where my journey has taken me. And some quite some some downfalls along the way, a lot of downfalls, a lot of success. Um, but but that's life and life's a journey. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Lessons learned and they kind yeah. of make you who you are today. Um, I, you know, we've got a lot of things I want to talk about on the show today, but I think it's interesting to note the fact that you decided to go get your MBA. Uh, and why I think that's interesting is, you know, as long as I've been in this industry, I don't know about you, but I have only known a handful of chefs that have gone from the kitchen into more of the business. And I'm talking about hotel chefs, like executive right. chefs in hotels, yeah. uh, gone into the business side of the business for lack of a better way of saying it by moving into maybe a VP of food and beverage or a director of food and beverage role, uh, and getting out of the kitchen. What was your motivation to get your MBA, uh, Exactly. Like, is, is that what it was? That what it was? Yeah. And I explained the process. How it happened for me was well, there's, there's a bit, that's just a long process. And I'll tell you, actually, part of it belongs to you and to Mark Andrew. And I remember, it started with this. It started, you were doing an LQA meeting, um, and you're in your suit, and you stood there on the stage, and you were articulate, and you knew your facts. And I thought, I want to be like that. I want to be like this gentleman. He knows how to relay the message, how do, it, how do I do that as a chef? And watching Mark Andrew too, his professionalism, he was a great mentor for me. Mm -hmm. So that was part one. Part two was being in a meeting where I didn't have the narrative and the business sense to professionally survive a meeting was part, or part of that, so that was part two. Mm -hmm. Part three was moving to London, and I found sort of a strange story. There's a bookshop there called, or not a bookshop, a store there called Oxfam. And Oxfam is a charity shop in the UK. They do a lot of work overseas for uh, children's uh, charities. So it's, it's, it's a, um, essentially a, um, uh, a store that sells used goods. Mm -hmm. I went in there, and they had a bookshelf there of old English collections. And I saw a book and started reading it. It was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. As I'm reading this book, and this may sound strange, as I'm reading this book, I realized the dialogue between the two gentlemen, which is a lawyer and a doctor, and discussing um, a, a, a person on, on the street, obviously Jekyll and Hyde, um, the, the formality between the friendship and diplomacy 
and how that applies and how it's getting lost today in in um, in business. For example, the text itself, the way it's written, the business language formality was fantastic. I thought, mm-hmm. I, want to, I want to speak like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the two people spoke to one another, this is missing in hospitality. I want to be like this. Mm-hmm. So that was a part of it too. Um, and tying all these things together, I, thought, I don't want to be a sh- really, do I really want to be executive chef all my life? Or do I want to be a VP of operations? Do I want to become a corporate chef? Um, I want to lead people. I want to know what my style is. How does it fit? Um, the MBA, I thought I would never qualify. So I had to go back to, to take night classes for English. Um, I decided to study uh, mathematics at uh, night courses. They'd have to get the grades. I had to do a MOOC with the University of London, which is a massive online course for business essentials. It took me six months. I'm going to do this. I'm going to apply. Uh, and I applied. Uh, thanks to great recommendations, I, I, I replied. I applied. And it was accepted. And I thought, wow, I'm absolutely shocked. <laughs> I was accepted. <laughs> and I was. And it's a tough process, to be honest with you. But whether I get diploma or the full MBA, what I'm getting out of it is my own identity as a leader that is okay for me to be charismatic. And there's another part of the story, too. Mm-hmm. My style of leadership has always been hands-on, but yet fun. And I've had two occasions in my life, one in London and several in the United States, where People have taken advantage of the situation, the ticket as weakness, or they have said, Chef, you're not like a Gordon Ramsay. It's hard for us to fit in. And that leads to a later conversation I think you and I are going to have about mm-hmm. the culture of hospitality. And I think what the MBA I got out of it was different kinds of leadership are fantastic. Um, as long as you apply it for the best needs of the company and the best needs for the, uh, the individuals or the teams you're developing. And he also recognized uh, one of the classes, um, bad leadership. So like, for me, it was easy to recognize great leaders. Uh, and again, Mark Andrew and yourself fell in that, that, that bracket. And then I've had people in my life that fall into uh, the, neg- the, the management negative part of the portion of the, of, the, of the leadership. And so for me, it was great to recognize all that. Um, and I had to build things like obviously business plans, how to conduct a meeting, how to do um, um, SWOT analysis, pestle, pest, all things. These all these things are needed for I think today's role as an executive chef. I think the role. If I start rambling on, please stop me. No, no, it's fascinating. I think the role as executive chef has to change. I think this. If you look at where executive chef came from. And the first brigade system, it started at Savoy in London, actually, uh, with a Scoffier. And I think it's quite easy to check these facts, but as I led to believe throughout my life, it started with a Scoffier. Now, Scoffier didn't create the framework for that. He just adopted it from, uh, I think, Pujol back in the 1890s, um, who was a man who developed a framework for business for coal mining or the industry in France. And so that framework fits did fit in the 1890s, 1900s, 1920s, when it was okay to not essentially think for yourself, not to be, not to speak up when spoken to, mm. uh, or speak when spoken to rather, um, keep your ideas to yourself, just do the job. And that idea of fit or that framework or that model did fit in that time. Now, as we know, times have changed and now we have new businesses. We have Google, we have, we have Facebook, we have Amazon and so forth. There's, there's a whole proliferation of businesses I could discuss the the business model and frameworks have changed through the last 50 years, accelerated quite rapidly through the last 50 years. However, hospitality hasn't, and that's where I tie in executive chefs. They still have the old mentality of, some do, 
um, the old mentality of how to do business based on this old, ancient Victorian platform or framework. Mm-hmm. And that can't apply today because why? Because we have millennials, Generation X, Generation Z. They would not in any way comply to that type of leadership. So what does executive chef mean today? It means as someone who knows the business in and out, not just food. We all know, a lot of chefs obviously know how to cook, but how do you get the best out of those egos? There's a lot of egos in the kitchen. Hmm. If you look at shows like Top Chef, um, back in 2008, 2009 seasons, I was watching them, and how people engage with one another is quite shocking. Um, the, the, the lack of diplomacy, the lack of respect, the lack of uh, just understanding human beings. And executive chefs need to lead that, how to lead that ego. There's a great coach called Jurgen Klopp, a Liverpool, yeah. not, not a Liverpool fan, I have family there, but I do like <laughs> Jurgen Klopp. And you look at his leadership, it is fantastic. He's taken these players um, that are, they were obviously great players to begin with, but developed them into this, this fantastic um, this fantastic team that works. They've won the champion, they won a championship, they've won the, the, the league title mm-hmm. based on his leadership style, which is very hands-on, non-threatening, non-abrasive um, style. Mm-hmm. I want no, to, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. No, no. I, what I was just going to say, the, the thought that comes to mind is that for, I think that people realized a long time ago, at least those that fell into the sort of leadership style that you're talking about, that are more empathetic, that are more about creating relationships with the people that work with them rather than command and control. Uh, that style, that empathetic style was pushed down for a long time. It was never really accepted. It was seen as weak. And you can even go back to to some of the the performance appraisals that we used to do or that other organizations do. And you never had those softer, I'll use air quote around softer traits uh, in those performance appraisal paperwork framework things that you had to fill out, right? It was always more about, you know, uh, uh, it was it, it was more concrete. It was more about goal achievement. It was less about the soft skills. Right. Do you think now in today's environment that, you know, what you've seen in a kitchen, from the kitchen perspective, culinary perspective, is that style now starting to emerge or is it still looked down on within the culinary culture? I think it's still looked down on in certain parts of the culinary culture. I think people that... Um, are inspired by certain TV shows, um, especially after about cooks now. Um, I think they still need to... The culinary business is a... Essentially, it's a business based on emotion, not logic. And I think that the logic part has to take place with the cooks. I'm talking mm-hmm. about for Koning. Um The artists, I get that, but they need to look at the logic part of it and the business part of it as well. And I think that's going to take some time to fix that's when an experienced executive chef comes in and says, no, sure. this is the business model. I may have done that before. We need to change that. But no, is it happening now? Slowly. I think slowly um, it, it can happen. I think a lot of companies want it to happen, but don't know how to find or recruit the right chefs, the right business leaders to make it happen. It's an interesting point about the artistic side of the business. And when you're a front office manager, and you've got a specific set of things that you have to do every day. It's very task-oriented, but there's not a lot of artistry 
around right. it. And you can you can get into that task mode of that robotic nature of just doing these things every day. Right. And that's not to discount the amount of team building and, and networking that has to happen in the job because you are front of house and it's sort of the nerve center for the hotel. Um, and that comes with its own set of pressures. But my point is, is that there's not a lot of artistry in being a front office manager. Okay. So the the you don't get the same amount of pushback in that kind of a role if you're if you're the person leading the front office manager. I'll get that. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I'll get no, to the point. In in that you do, in my experience in the culinary world, where if you're very critical, I'll give you an example. I remember doing tastings with potential cooks coming in who we were looking at recruiting or looking at hiring at the hotel. And the process of doing a tasting is it seems like on the other side can be soul crushing. You know, you could come in and you're creating this thing that you really hope people like. Right. And they just tear your work apart. It's not like, it's not like tearing apart a bad schedule that you put together for your front office team. This is, there's something different about it. You're putting more of yourself, I guess, into the product you're putting out there. Agreed. And I think to, to that note, again, I think that cooks, chefs, food is subjective. You've got to learn how to not, not to take it personal. Also, if you're going to do a tasting, know your audience, do the research on the team, this LinkedIn, find out uh, the background of, of, you generally get a list of people who are going to the tasting. I have in the past, I, or ask for it. Um, and then know your audience. So a lot of it is know your audience. Again, it's business, basic business, know your audience. Uh, remember that food is subjective. It's it's everyone has different palates. It's like music. It's like a movie. Um, um, and then if you are to have your feelings, if you, if you are to take it personally, take what you need out of that conversation. Yes, the scabs might be undercut. Then it's a technique situation, and make notes not help self progress. So I think that people, I think cooks need to take not to get so personally. I know I have in the past. Absolutely, I've been. I know I've done some tasting at Fairmont where I've got crushed. And, <laughs> but and you I were just, working there. I know I was working there. <laughs> you already had the job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the wedding tastings. But, um, but again, it's again, it's a maturity. It's a maturity of separating logic and emotion. And I think that's what, I mean, if I have a team again, that's, that's going to be, I will put a framework, a business model on, look, this is how, we, how, we, how it's done. Separate the logic, separate emotion. It's subjective. Mm-hmm. It's food. So. so I'm curious to get your perspective on where things are at in the industry today. You've got, You're right. you had a foot in the U.S. world. You've had a foot in the U.K. world. Now you're in, the, you're in Mexico. Uh, what's going on in the culinary world from your perspective with COVID? How, like, where where are we at? I think where well down here um, they're trying to get back to business as usual. Um, a lot of hotels have been closed, a lot of layoffs. Um, but I think overall, you talk about the UK and the US. Um, there are jobs out there, but there's also a lot of unemployed chefs. So you're going to see a, a massive amount of uh, of chefs applying for all these jobs. Um, but that being said, it, the business needs to realize that 
two things. Yes, the, the, right now there are a lot of people who get their jobs, but there also needs to be respect on both sides. Uh, I'm going to talk about ghosting a li little bit. Um, there needs to be a better platform for um, companies to get back to chefs who are applying because their feelings have already been destroyed. Their feelings have already been crushed. They're in a very volatile situation. They need to work again. So there's a lot of, I do see that, but I do think it's going to come back at some point. I don't know when, because as human beings, I do think that people aren't going to tolerate the life it, the life it is now. They want to go back to the way it used to be. I do think that as human beings, that will slowly progress and, and go back to not business as usual, but there'll be some sort of changes like wearing masks and how we operate um, cleanliness situations. I do think that uh, hotels, especially in the US, could do be more, uh, not lenient, but more um, stringent and more strict about health measures. Hmm. I noticed that in the UK, the health me measures in, in Europe are a lot stricter than they are in the US. So I do think that needs to be applied. I do think that needs to be put into effect. I think chefs need to be aware of the fact that um, they need to be more um, professional, more versed when it comes to uh, asset standards, climate standards, um, all of that. Um, and so I do think there'll be a new um, push within hotels, maybe restaurants, but definitely hotels, on stricter standards. Um, and that needs to happen. Um, but when it comes to the, the hiring process and jobs and layoffs, I do think it will pan out at some point next year because we, we look at the government, look at the government in the UK and the government in the US. I watch Sky News a lot, uh, the government pages for Sky News for um, what's going on with the business in the hotels in the UK. And it seems to be a lot of um, situations where you can do this, you can't do that, but it seems to be, as I should put it, it doesn't mesh. You can have a party of six going to uh, your house, but flights can be full of 100 people. So there's a lot of contradictions going on. I'm not explaining it very well. There's a lot of contradictions going on within the US and the UK when it comes to laws. Mm -hmm. So at some point, people are going to say, enough's enough. We want to go on with life. We'll wear a mask. This is how it works. And also, too, the governments don't know how to deal with this. So to all fairness, the UK and the US, you don't, they don't know how to deal with COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so I think at some point, it will, it will kind of flatline and unfortunately, though, there's going to be a lot of chefs out there still unemployed. And I think with that, I think with the situation now, I think that chefs or anybody, anybody in the hospitality industry needs to take a look at It's a good opportunity for them to take a look at themselves and say, okay, I need to change this. I need to do this. I need to study this. Mm -hmm. I need to work on this. So there's a lot of opportunity there um, for hiring the right candidates. Um, but yeah, that's really, I know it wasn't a very good explanation. It's, it's, no. it's, 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 um, it is, it is because there's, it's really hard to get your arms around what's going on right now, uh, in the industry. Well, in the world, right. But you know, this is, we're specifically hospitality focused. So, um, looking at the hospitality industry at large, it's hard to, there's no visibility. We don't know how things are going to play out over the next couple of weeks, let alone the next six, seven months to a right. year. Uh, and, you know, you're right. There are a lot of people out of work. Uh, and, you know, there's some stories coming out now that those jobs may not come back ever, uh, or, you know, certainly not any time within the next couple, three years as, as the industry starts to ramp back up. Businesses are going to start getting used to running on uh, fewer people, just like after 2008, 2009, you know, a lot of the jobs that were lost then never really came back. 
I have a feeling the same thing's going to happen in hotels and, and in the uh, hotel restaurants now. And I agree. It's, it's worth talking about a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to bring it back to how we kicked off the show here with you going and getting your MBA and realizing that you needed to uh, expand your knowledge in a different place, on a different plane. Uh, you needed to develop skills that you felt you didn't have right. in order to be competitive, not just personal growth, but like to be competitive and to be marketable out there in case you wanted to go get a job uh, somewhere else uh, in the future. And there's a lot of cooks, a lot of chefs, a lot of sous chefs right now that are for sure thinking the same thing. They're either, they've either been working 18 hours a day, six days a week because their entire team is gone, or they were cut loose and they can't find a job anywhere else now. So they're trying to figure out where they're at, like what right. do I do with my life? Um, what's your advice to those people? What should they? What should they do? My advice to anybody right now, um, and I've given this advice to several people on Facebook, is this: is take a deep breath, take a look at yourself, fix the things that you want to change. If you're a cook, um, one of the things you can do is go stage places. Work for free. Get your name out there. Start networking. That is important. I've done that myself. I'm an experienced executive chef. I have no issue going into a hotel, working alongside a chef who's half my age, and uh, and uh, learning new skills. It's all about network. So doing that, you have to put the pride to one side, put your ego to one side. Chefs have egos. They have pride. Just put it in a box somewhere. Um, so take a look at that. Secondly, as I said, move the things around that you don't like about yourself. For me personally, it was um, I want an education. I wanted to change the way I spoke, the way I thought. Uh, and I think a lot of chefs need to do that. So there's plenty of courses online. Coursera uh, is one of, the, one of the platforms that I use. Hmm. What's um, it called? Coursera.org. Coursera. Coursera. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, you can take free courses. So if you want to do brand marketing, if you want to do study diplomacy, if you want to study uh, business essentials, um, how to build an app, it's all right there. Now, if you want a degree with it or if you want a certificate with it, you pay for that, but the courses are free if you want them. Um, and so that is a good thing to look at. It's almost like Newton's cradle. You, you need to line up all your little balls. Newton's cradle, the, the, the elements of the ball hitting the other balls, and you see them on all these CEO desks. You have to take these elements of your life and make them work together. And they all have to be the same size. And you have to put the same amount of energy into each one. And I believe that. Uh, so for example, for me, this is, this is my day. I wake up at 5 a.m. I have my coffee. For me personally, I'll read, I'll, read, I'll pray get on with my day, and then by 6 a.m. I'm in the gym, I'm working out. So ball one, ball two. Uh, hopefully by 10 o'clock, I'm studying. Um, I'm reading a course. I'm, I'm learning Spanish. That is another part of, the, part of the ball. The other part of the ball is, oh, I'm doing the Coursera. I'm doing the Coursera online. The other part is my marketing, because I started this little business. Is my, is my website good enough? Am I learning enough to get – am I doing enough sales? Am I learning enough about the market? So put all those – Whatever it is for you, look at those little balls that you have in your life. Make sure they're all the same size and make sure they move together like Newton's cradle. You have to do that. You can't just sit there. It's easy to sit there on your couch like, oh, I can't find a job. I'm going to sit here and watch Netflix all day. Once you start that process, it goes down. 
you've got to have the discipline to get off the couch. It's hard, absolutely, because I've been there as well. I've been there's been days where I've not not been employed. Like I can't do this, can't function anymore. I just I'm so depressed. You need to get the discipline um, to exercise, study, network, and put your pride to one side. The biggest the, the biggest key element of this is the pride. It's okay for you as a 50-year-old chef to go work in for free for a week at a Michelin star restaurant. Because put that on your resume, and I have, it works. It will work as long as it's true and you stick to it. Not a day, but a week. Yes, be valid. Um, take the courses. Uh, just rebuild yourself. Um, yeah, I think that's so. so. I like that. I like the visual of the the Newton's cradle. That's uh, uh, that's that's a good analogy. One of the things that I've been very conscious to try to do through this process is very similar to what you're talking about. Is every day putting a brick in that wall. It doesn't matter what that brick is, right? But just put a brick in the wall, do something to get the momentum to keep, you know, whatever it is you're doing with your career moving forward. Right. And if you can just recognize that something is a foundational element, something is a building block. I did something today. I learned something, it could be something small. You know, maybe if you watch a YouTube video on SEO, you know, a skill that, you know, Absolutely. probably have never even thought about, but is pretty relevant when you're doing your own thing. Right. Um, and that's free. And that might take you half an hour, right? You, now you, right. you know more about it now than you did when you got up this morning. It's just those little things. Keep that momentum going. It's, um, right. it's pretty powerful. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this and I don't, I don't have an answer for it, but I'm curious to get your take on it. So there are uh, hundreds of hospitality programs you know, all over the country, all over the world, you know, just about every school at this point has right. some version of a hospitality program. And there are thousands and thousands of hospitality students out there that are, uh, that either graduated this year or, you know, they're going to graduate, you know, next year into this new world that we're in, in right. hotels that, you know, conceivably won't have a lot of opportunity for many years. Culinary schools are kind of the same thing, Right. Uh, there's several culinary programs all over the country, thousands of culinary students doing the same thing. Is this a viable career option for people come, go, either thinking about going into culinary school or those that are, that are maybe reevaluating their decision to go into culinary school uh, and maybe have another year left? Is, should they stick it out? Like, what's, what's your view on where we're at? Well, I think any I think any industry is going through the same thing. I think I think yes, stick it out, but also have a backup plan. In terms of students, they all they're all programmed to work in hotels and restaurants, but also look at the um, home care sector, look at the hospital sector. There are other sectors you can go into. People always when people always will want to eat. We always have to eat. Uh, we are social creatures. Um, However, take, take the opportunity and again, humbly, people leave culinary school, I want to be a sous chef. Okay, let's put that on the back burner and let's develop the, the platform for your life. And that platform for your life now could be studying some more about business. It could be going to work in a, uh, in a hospital in your, in your, excuse me, <clears throat> in your local town. So I do think there are still um, branches or avenues you can go down. It might not be the one that you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you, again, you, you get the experience that you need, you take from it what you can, 
Um, I mean, for example, you know, you, Compass has a lot of the hospital sector, Compass Group. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm pretty sure that they have fantastic SOPs in place, uh, brilliant uh, manuals on how to conduct business that way. That's another avenue you can learn. Uh, don't always be stuck in hotels and, and, uh, and uh, Yeah, the point is that there, there's a lot of options out there for you. You just maybe need to look in areas that were not traditionally illuminated a year ago. Exactly. People want the glitz. Forget the glitz and the glamour. Mm. Forget the, the, the show. Get the basics down first. And then at some point, when it does come back, then you've got a good platform. You didn't veer off into something completely different like retail. Stay true to the hospitality that you're in. However, but I would suggest that you learn. For me, what was important for me to learn was a second language. Learn a second language. How many people, how many cooks in the US can only speak one language? I mean, mm-hmm. When I was in the UK, I was in my orientation, quick story, and um, there was 10 other uh, Europeans in the orientation, and they all spoke three or four languages, and they traveled 44 countries. I thought to myself, Mark, you have a hard time speaking English. You know, this is just terrible. <laughs> learn something new. I mean, exactly, if you're learning culinary school, you're leaving culinary school, you can't find a job, don't put your brain to waste. Go volunteer. Um, because it's all about networking. Volunteering is another huge thing. The Red Cross or Goodwill, whatever it is, all those things. And I've got on my resume too. Um, um, go volunteer. Because people are looking at resumes in a different way today. Yes, you may have this great experience, but you know, have you starched? Are you still relevant? Are you relevant at all? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you as a person? Oh, you volunteered. That's what's going to separate you from the pack. And that's what I'm working on right now. Volunteering, stage, study. Yeah. Because if it does come back, um, but I will say this, I put my resume out to 100 jobs. I've been ghosted so many times and still yet to find a job. Mm-hmm. So it's still tough right now. I understand that. But at some point, um, my resume or CV will go to the top of the pile. I've also, I've also turned down two jobs as well, so I can't mm-hmm. complain. because It wasn't the right fit for me. Um, but there's a lot. It's, I think it's a self-evaluation period. No, forget about the mm-hmm. glitz and the glamour. Yeah. Go down this avenue, put the pride to one side. So yeah. I've had to do it. Yeah, it's good advice. Um, tough to do, tough to look in the mirror sometimes, but it's uh, it's part of the process right now. Right. Uh, the, <clears throat> the situation today, I think, is illuminated uh, for those that are looking for it. Some shortfalls in the culture of hospitality working. Uh, and not, maybe not in the way that, uh, a lot of people think, you know, just like you're talking about ego, um, in the chef world, that absolutely rings true in hospitality, uh, yes, across the yes. board. You know, I remember <clears throat> working, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17 hours a day, um, six or seven days a week, uh, on long, long stretches of doing that. Um, and that being a, a badge of honor. You're basically running myself into the ground, uh, being on literally being on call 24-7. If anything was to happen, especially when you're running a hotel, you're the guy that they call. Right. So you never really turned off. And that always that eventually comes at a price, whether it it's health, whether mm-hmm. it's personal relationships, whether it's uh, you know, missed opportunities that you for whatever other business opportunities or other investment opportunities that you couldn't put the attention to because you put all of your eggs in this one basket. Correct. And that was driven, I think, a lot by the 
the false sense that there was security with the person, with the, the company that you were with. You know, if you put all of this, if you bring your A game every day and you put all of this energy and you get these great results, <clears throat> that you were going to have a very long, uh, fulfilling career with the Correct. organization. <clears throat> and just like you're talking about with the way the, the culinary world is structured from back in the 18th, 19th centuries. You're right. It's that sort of mid-century, the company's going to take care of me uh, right. kind of a mindset. Now, that's uh, absolutely not true. Um, no, it's know, not. It doesn't matter how much time or energy or results you get or that you put in, every position's replaceable. <clears throat> and so I think it's very easy to stand today and Monday morning quarterback the last 10 or 15 years of your career going, man, I missed out on a lot because I was doing all of these things. Right. Uh, at work and not putting the energy into these other areas that probably would have given me more fulfillment. And arguably you may have ended up in the same place. It's hard to know now, but like there's definitely a case to be made. Right. From your perspective, uh, what's, what needs to change in the culture within the culinary universe in hospitality? Because I'm sure it's a long list. A lot. So I think one of the things that I noticed leaving the United States and going to Europe and working for the French French company in Europe was this. I think that from my perspective, in the US, in hospitality, you live to work. Now in the UK or in Europe and France, other parts of Europe, you work to live. I'll give you an example of that. <clears throat> in the United States, I had a hard time getting my two weeks off. And I, I was anxious about it. I took a vacation and I have anxiety during the vacation and coming back, but not still being refreshed to come back too. When I moved to London, I had five weeks off a year. Hmm. Um, I was refreshed and I saw a lot more in my life in two years than I did in my 20 years in the US. Let me explain why. I think that the model has to change when it comes to the mentality of working people to death. Uh, it's easy to put in a book, people, product, profit. <laughs> There's a great word to put in a book, but you have to really live by it. It's okay to have parties and, and prep rallies, but are you really, it's just propaganda in a way, and that mentality needs to change. Hospitality industry, most of the hotel groups, most of the restaurants need to figure out they need to follow the plans like a Google or the new model because the models in place today, again, it dates back. Um, people in the 19th century used to work seven days a week. People in certain cultures work seven days a week, six on six. But productive com companies like Google, Facebook, I can speak for them because I know how their, their model works. I can't really say for Amazon. Um, it's it's a, different, a different format of working. They, they have more time off. And I think one of the things that we were looking at introducing in the UK was four days on, three days off. Hmm. Now that needs to be tweaked a little bit because people can abuse, people are human beings, they can abuse the system, especially hospitality. What that gives you is four days on, less overtime because you work more hours, more production, you're refreshed and come back to a better life, a better system. And if I were ever to start or work in a new management company, that is one thing I think should be enforced, a four days on, three days off. And I read an article back in London, by a chef, at a fantastic restaurant around the corner from me. 
and it made sense. I tried to present it to a course. We need to do this. No, no, we can't. It's too many. Oh, no, no, no. Slowly, the model needs to change because the culture is broken. You get a lot of angry people, tired people, complaining people. There's a fantastic uh, documentary on Netflix called um, The American Factory and how the mindset of people, how people work in different cultures. It's fantastic. It's fascinating. Um, I think that the culture allows um, this tacit approval for people to work themselves to death but with no reward. And people think they're doing a great job. You can be employee of the month on Tuesday, when the employee of the month on Tuesday, but by the following Wednesday of the next month, you could be fired. So I think people need to be more aware of the fact that you are a, um, a product of a company. You're, 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 you're not really a person. I, really, I, really, I realized that too when um, I went from Fairmont to another company where my name was taken off the email. It was a bunch of numbers. So the next chef comes in, just cycles through. And I think that we need to change that. I think that needs to, uh, uh, I think companies need to be more empathetic and understand you can get a lot more of the people by treating them like a family and actually caring about them uh, than just treating them as a, as a product and pushing out the numbers and concerning so much about the budget. Yes, the budget is important, but I think you can get a lot more out of your budget and out of your people if you actually do what you say you're going to do and actually care about them. Because um, people aren't stupid. They can see through the fluff. They can see through the, 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 those prep rallies that we used to have. And, and different properties. Um, and I think that a more hands-on approach from, uh, from leadership down, from corporate and GMs down needs to change. I think we at Mark Andrew, we, we were doing a great job with our, with our, with our philosophy in the, in, throughout the hotel. Um, and he, he was an empathetic leader. He's the one, again, like I said, he's the one who helped, like yourself, led me to a different avenue. And then different leaders came in and the energy just died because it was all based on, on numbers, numbers, numbers. And then the numbers weren't quite the same ever, ever, ever since. And I think that they need to, you can't, you can't lead a team through only caring about numbers and, 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 uh, and that type of mentality. You really have to care about the work and life balance. They say that you see a lot of work-life balance is important. You see these emails from HR, but is it really understood at management level? Is it really stood in, in the departments? Is it really adhered to? Um, it's important know. in this email. Yeah, it's important in this email, but it's important yeah, to write this so I love that to corporate, but is it really in practice? And I think that needs to change. Yeah. Um, the toxic culture that um, breeds in restaurants completely needs to change. It's ridiculous. It's Again, it's all mentality. Mm-hmm. How do you change that? By having leaders, executive chefs, who will know how to lead through change and not leading through fear. Um, not using the French Eiffel Tower system of leadership, the hierarchy system. And you see a lot of that in hotels. There's a lot. To be honest with you, and this may sound blunt, this may offend some people, there's a lot of, I've seen some GMs in my life that don't have the business savvy to actually, they have the business savvy of, they know how to read numbers, but they don't have the business savvy in how to really lead a team the way it needs to be led. Mm-hmm. Leaders, uh, leadership takes time. Leadership takes experience. Um, and if you keep pushing out, the company, I used to work for companies that just pushes out numbers and hotels and buys more hotels and buys more hotels and promotes and promotes. But so many people don't have experience to leave. And so they're pushing these people, these cookie cutter people, cookie cutter development, MIT programs, all these programs. But it doesn't really apply to that person. You have to look at people as individuals. You may 
lead in a different style. That style may work well within that within that entire hotel, um, but you can't expect people to follow um, the manual page four. This is how you talk to the employees. It's not that black and white. There's a lot of gray areas in human experience. We talk about human beings. And so manuals are great and you have to follow manuals, absolutely, but it's not all black and white. And you need leaders that understand that, that process. Yeah, it's, I mean, I bought into that system 100% for many years. Um, and I think what we have now is a responsibility to critically evaluate how we operated, you know, guys like you and me, people in our position, you know, who sort of came through the industry and, and for lack of a better way of putting it, came up in the old way of managing people and the old way of running a business. Uh, but having a foot in the other world and recognizing that, that a lot of that stuff doesn't work anymore. We have to lead the change. We have to recognize that, that leadership styles need to evolve. And, you know, I understand that it's about the numbers. And, and if you don't, if you don't hit your financial targets, there are other ramifications that are out there. And that's that could be detrimental to the business, but that can't be the sole focus. Absolutely. You have to marry the two things. And, uh, and we have a responsibility to promote that culture within organizations and bring people up behind us that embody that. And, and that's how it's going to grow. Because I don't, I don't think that sitting and preaching to the senior level executives that exist in an organization today that you have to change the way you do things is going to elicit any change. It's funny, you know, they always, there's always this talk that change comes from the top and that is going to happen in some places, but you know, I also understand a little bit of human nature and it's hard to look in the mirror and say that you, maybe you've been part of the problem. It's a lot easier to go on cruise control and just keep doing right. things you've already already done because it's worked for you. You don't have an impetus to change. You don't have that thing that makes you right. become a different person. So it's almost like that. There's there's the the level below have the have to shoulder the responsibility to do it. It's the people who recognize that. Oh yeah, we're in a we're in a tectonic shift right now, uh, and we have to evolve our businesses right. and how we do things that bear the responsibility to do this. Absolutely, I, I, I was. I was. I'll, I'll admit this. I was also part of that problem. I bought into the the Bible, as it were, from the from the, from from the top down. You know, you you do this, you do that, you do this, and then you'll be fine. But I've let some people go, fire some people that I've. Look back now, and it pains me. It's it's painful. I go, why did I why did I fire them? Why did I do this? Because page six said because you've done this, I have to let you go. Yeah. And for me, it's it's one of those things. Um, you look back and reflect. You know, I wish I had changed that. I wish I'd done that differently. I wish wish I you know wish I had changed that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. I think right now, the hospitality is like a vase. It just needs to be smashed apart. And put back together again it needs to be broken and dissected and brought back together again. I think people need to have the guts to do that. And speak mm -hmm. up. Um, and I like what you're doing because I think um, it's nice to talk. It's, it's nice to talk to you about this because obviously now we're on the same page. So obviously, if you and I are talking about it, obviously other people are thinking the same thing too. Because you're in mm -hmm. Seattle, I'm down in Las Cabos. 
probably the same kind of thought process. Like, no, it's absolutely true. This needs to change. Yeah, uh, it's true. I can't tell you how many conversations I have every week about this exact topic with people in different walks of life in the same industry, like in right. hospitality, but they're doing different things. It's widely recognized. Uh, we just, we need to take the steps to actually make it happen. Right. Uh, and, you know, some people are going to be dragged kicking and screaming <laughs> into yeah. that new world, but it has to happen. And you can't, we can't go back to the way things were in the, in a, uh, with, with such a, uh, a style of operation that doesn't really fit with the way most people view the world today. It was a, it's an anxious style. It's a style that creates so much anxiety and stress. It's true. And uh, it, it needs to, again, it needs to be smashed apart and really looked at a new, a new uh, um, business model, the business framework. They need to, um, I think the industry needs to take a look at, come again, like Google, Amazon, to see how it works. Mm-hmm. I think the four day program, um, work to live programs, all those programs. Um, yeah. It's a bit so to, to just look at what's your advice to that executive chef out there in the context of everything that we've been talking about today. What do you, if you could stand in front of a room full of exec chefs? All right. What would you say? Put your pride to one side. Um, don't let age be a factor. I see a little bit of age discrimination too. I'm 50, but I'm still, in my, I'm still got a lot of energy. I can still get a lot done. I'm still evolving. I'm still changing. Um, don't, don't measure your life with a yardstick. You have a lot to offer. I've seen chefs that are 32 years old fail in jobs that I've applied for, and the job has been posted three times. Um, people of uh, my generation, my age, in their 40s and 50s, you still have a lot to offer. So put that into the back of your head too. Don't let people make you think that you, you should measure your life with a yardstick. Be prepared to change the way you think, how you lead. Take a look at your leadership skills. Is it effective? Is it relevant today? Look at the people that you're working with. They're younger. They're, they're internet savvy. They can research everything you say online. Know your job. Uh, know more about your job than they, than they can. For example, get a, get a, uh, study some business models. Uh, go starch in the Michelin star restaurants that you know what you're talking about when you talk to the guests. Be prepared just to relearn. You have to do that and take chances and get back on your horse. And again, take the Newton's cradle, start lining up the, the things that you don't like about yourself and look at them. Build yourself a, um, it's, a it's a decent metaphor, build yourself a, um, a, um, a plan that's going to work for you. And people always talk about plans. Yeah, it's easy to write a plan, but my, I have a 5 a.m. plan. I give it 5 a.m. Boom, boom, boom. That's what I'm going to do today. And I go to bed. I don't have a job. But I feel productive. I don't feel depressed. I don't feel... Mm-hmm. And there are some days are hard. I'll admit to you. Some days I just don't want to get out of bed, but I force myself. Be disciplined. Discipline's hard. Uh, be focused. Read. Read, 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 read. Mm-hmm. And whatever you can get your hands on. There's, yeah. a, there's a quote. I think it's Jocko Willink. says, discipline equals freedom. And that... When I heard that for the first time, it's probably a couple of years ago now, uh, that put the, it put words to something I had always thought, but I was never able to articulate. And, and that's such, it's such a beautifully simple, uh, quote, but yeah, if you are disciplined in your approach to development in your approach to learning about your team, uh, in your approach to 
wanting to change the way that your department, your, your hotel or your restaurant operates, if you're disciplined and determined to do that, um, you're going to undoubtedly make strides. You may not come out ahead. You may, hopefully you don't go down the wrong path, but I think your point right. about being, uh, being driven and disciplined to do that uh, is one of those principles actually that is, which just kind of leads to my last question is one of those principles that really uh, ha- doesn't change given everything that's going on. We've talked a lot about change and the things that need to happen, uh, but there are principles that, Right. That shouldn't change. That we do need, maybe need to uh, readopt. Uh, and it, in my view, that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Is discipline. Discipline's hard. It is absolutely tough. Discipline is a tough thing for me. It's tough. That's why I do certain sports for discipline. Um, but it's something that you have to do. You have to say, "No, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to lay here and put my, sh- my shoes on. I'm, get- I'm going to get up and follow through and look at that plan." Some days you'll fail. I have. But keep back on the track again. It's 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 it's, it's a good thing. It's a, it is. It's it's basic. It's, you should do it. Yeah. Uh, and also, just to wrap up on that last part, though, um, and to, to the executive chefs um, applying for jobs, ghosting. Don't take it personally. I see a lot of things on LinkedIn. Ghosting, ghosting, ghosting. It's not personal. Look at it as a reflection on the company, not you. Again, the company needs to change. Um, so again, I've been I've had interviews where that we'll call you back in two days and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. It's not a reflection on the chef, not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on the company and how it operates. And ask yourself, well, did I want to work for them anyhow then? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that, uh, Mark. This was uh, fantastic to have you on the show Thank and, and you. get some get some insight into the the mind of an executive <laughs> chef and and where this industry could be going. Yeah, on the road. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, where should they go? Um, I have takehomechef.com is my my webpage, um, and then Chef Mark Tim's on Facebook. I post a lot of things that inspire me on there. And then on my LinkedIn, you'll see a lot of. I'm starting doing blog posts. I never thought that I would be a blogger um, <laughs> again, <laughs> but now I'm doing this this. You know what? It was Chef. those English classes you took, right? That's a- <laughs> yeah. So now I'm a blog. Yeah, I just still need to check my grammar though. <laughs> so if you read my blog and the grammar's off, I'm still working on my grammar. So it, but here's my book today. So I'm doing leadership today. I'm doing all this. I'm getting through this leadership organizations. Pick up some books. Uh, do it for free. Do it. Change your mind. Your mind is uh, the, the most important thing you have. With health, obviously, but mind. Yeah. It's a great place to add it. Mark, yeah. thanks again, man. This Thank great. you. Thank okay. you so much. Great chatting with you. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show today. If you want to get in touch with Mark, just head over to his website, takehomechef.com, or you can find him on LinkedIn. I'll put both in the show notes. As for us, we've got a brand new website for the podcast. It's at theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. You'll find past episodes, show notes, a ton of information on this brand new website. So check it out. I'd love to hear what you think. Theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Thanks again for listening to the show today. Until next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast with Adam Knight. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. The podcast is brought to you by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management company that puts your performance first by rethinking the management model. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Until next time.